kick off the dry ball panel. So, my name is Lars Östreng and I'm covering shipping equities at Arctic Securities. Um, for the dry ball panel, we have a very exciting lineup today. Um, the owners represented, uh, represented at the panel, they own a total of 230 vessels with a total capacity of about 22 million deadweight. Um, so that's about 2% of the total market, which is, uh, which is uh, quite a uh, lot, uh, actually. Um, and I think I'll actually introduce the panelists um, based on deadweight uh, and ascending <laughs> order. So weighing in at 1.9 million deadweight, we have the Ultra and Supermax uh, <coughs> operator. Bell Ships, represented by Mr. Lars Christian Skarsborg. Thank you. And then, secondly, um, Cape Size Aeroplane uh, <laughs> Synergy Maritime with 3 million or about 3 million uh, that weight, Mr. Stamatis Santanis. Okay, a close call here. 3.1 million that mm, weight. Eagle Ball Shipping, <laughs> uh, Supra and Ultra again. Mr. Gary Vogel, CEO. And then finally, the giant uh, 14 million deadweight ton um, Supra, all the way up to Newcastle Maxis. Starboat Carriers, uh, co CFO, Mr. Simos Spiro. So, clearly, um, the dry bulk market has been somewhat of a roller coaster over the past uh, couple of years. Uh, clearly, markets crashed going into uh, the pandemic, uh, but quickly uh, surged. Uh, so, uh, we all remember that uh, Cape size vessels were making close to $90,000 per day last fall. Uh, asset values on, on, on five-year-old um, five vessels uh, surged by 70% uh, to peak. 2022 was also off to a pretty good start, but uh, since then we've had uh, recession fears and China clouding uh, the outlook. So, um, you know, at the same time, um, as has been mentioned several times today, uh, the supply side dynamics have probably never uh, looked better, or at least in many decades. So I think that uh, with that backdrop, uh, the timing of this panel is pretty interesting. And clearly the big question is where do we go from here? I think also it's, it's useful to take one step back and uh, maybe if we go to one of our Supra and um, Ultramax owners, Gary, 2020 and 2021, what were the main drivers of the driving market in your yeah, so going back 2020, um, you know, the mar market started off, we, we started with a lot of optimism. Um, we were coming into IMO 2020 with a scrubber fitted fleet. And uh, of course, we didn't expect COVID. And, and really, it was, the, it was the global lockdown that sent our market south. Um, by the end of 2020, we saw a, a reopening and restocking trade. Um, we actually went out and bought nine vessels between November and January 2020, 2021. And, and, you know, the, the market um, really delivered, um, partly because we believe we've been in a cyclical recovery since the market bottomed out in 16. 
Um, we took a few detours on the way uh, through this recovery, whether it was the Volley Dam collapse, uh, trade war, tariffs on U.S. soybeans, you know, COVID, crude prices going negative. I could go on. I won't. Um, but but through that, you know, supply moderated, and 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 we had a, a nice a nice build on a relative basis in terms of in terms of growth. So that's really what happened in the market. Um, and of course, also with the reopening congestion and on the smaller, mid-sized ships, you know, we benefited from what we call the spillover trade from containers. So a bit of a, while we had a lot of negatives in the, in the years leading up, a bit of a positive perfect storm, all while supply moderated. And as you pointed out, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it, you know, the supply side notwithstanding what's been a very robust market, um, the supply side remains muted. If you had asked me, at the end of 2020, where we would be, you know, the, the Supermax index has averaged um, $25,000 over the last almost two years, since January of last year. If you ask me where, what the supply side response would have been um, almost two years of that kind of number, I don't know what percentage I would have come up with, but it wouldn't have been 7%. So I think it's, uh, for a number of reasons, I think it's a really interesting dynamic that we have had a robust market. And although, you know, talk is like dry bulk is, you know, what happened, you know, the, the index last year, the Supermax index averaged just under 27,000, and this year it's over 24. So we're enjoying a robust market, and that's a, that's a, a Supermax vessel, not an Ultramax and non-scrubber fitted. So I'll, I'll stop there. Thank you, Gary. So um, maybe moving on to uh, one of our Cape size owners, some of this. Uh, 2022 has been a little bit different than 2021. What, what has happened? Well, sorry, it's a combination of uh, negative events. First of all, you had all this unwinding of the congestions in China, so that uh, put into the market again about 100 uh, to 150 ships at any given time, so that's a lot of supply hitting back. Then what's most important, in my opinion, is the self-inflicting, um, how do you say it, lockdowns in China. Don't forget that this is a country that uh, it's getting into its fourth year of lockdowns, and that's very unfortunate for the business. Four years, I mean, 2020, 21, 22, and now we're getting into 23. It's going to be the fourth year of lockdowns in China. So a combination of all these events um, was more negative as compared to the positive of the coal trade that went up due to the uh, energy requirements of Europe and the rest of the world. So. Uh, you know, to sum up the whole thing, um, I believe that when the market returns into uh, the equilibrium, which is congestion back into play again, um, slow steaming starting next year, and China getting back on its feet, which we strongly believe is going to happen in the next uh, six to 12 months, I think we're going to see a massive recovery on the Cape side rates. Thank you. So uh, that was a little bit on, uh, on the outlook, but, um, but I want to ask you, Lesh, is the future right? I mean, you uh, are um, representing the company on this panel with the highest uh, fixed rate coverage going into 2023. Yeah, thank you. So I'm happy to be the bearish one on, on the panel since we fixed out most of our ships, of course. Um, I think every conference should have a special offer, and maybe that's Drybulk, actually. Because uh, I think even though the, the market has corrected over the past uh, couple of months, if you zoom out and, and, and look at it historically, it's actually a quite good market, and, uh, and all of us up here are, are making a profit right now. So it's, it's, it's not a bad market at all. Uh, whilst equities have corrected down, uh, 
should we say a third, um, give or take, uh, in the past three months. So while we have a, a, bit, a bit balanced and, and maybe a short-term skepticism to the market, uh, if you look at it from the equity side, it looks, it looks more interesting than in the long time. Um, for our part, we, we started actually late last year and continued this year fixing out most of our ships for, for one and two years. Uh, purely from a risk-reward uh, standpoint, we could fix out uh, our ships at uh, more than double our cash break even uh, to good counterparts and then rather grow uh, with more modern ships. So for us that in sum was, was, uh, was, uh, seemed like a, a prudent bet. Um, and right now we're, we're fixed out with basically 80, more than, a bit more than 80% plus for the, for the next year. Um, so we don't really have a big market exposure before the end of next year and, and beginning uh, 2024. So long term, more bullish. I think, uh, I think I've seen a quote earlier from Dr. Stopford at the, at the time where people tend to over-exaggerate short-term developments in shipping and underestimate the long term. And we try to keep that in mind. We're uh, fixing out a ship short term and then trying to position ourselves towards the longer term with green shift and decarbonization. Very well. So, Simos, uh, what about you? You are mostly open uh, going into 2023, right? Thank you, Lars. <laughs> uh, indeed, uh, I think uh, I represent here the bull of uh, this table. Uh, we are traditionally uh, a spot uh, operator. Uh, I mean, you know, the, my, the entire uh, part of our uh, bigger vessels, the, uh, the uh, Capes and Newcastle Maxis, are in the CCL pool, which is uh, a pool that we have together with uh, Bosimar and CTM of Monaco. All these vessels are spot. And uh, the medium and smaller size, Kamsar uh, Maxis, uh, Panamaxis, Supra Sultras, are, uh, usually we have a strategy where uh, we try during the fourth quarter of the year to get some exposure to cover part of uh, the fleet for Q1 and Q2, which is traditionally the uh, weaker part of the year. Uh, this year it seems that uh, uh, the forward curve is already pricing uh, quite weak, uh, uh, let's say, first half. So uh, we, we have not been quite active in uh, hedging uh, the first uh, two quarters of the year. If we see some, uh, you know, a spike there, we might uh, do some more. But uh, you know, right now we are, uh, I would say, uh, spot. Uh, the reason behind that is that we remain optimistic on the dry bulk fundamentals uh, for uh, the medium and the longer term. Uh, we are, uh, you know, we believe that the next two quarters, three quarters, might be a bit challenging, but uh, medium to long term. All the fundamentals show that uh, you know the market is going to be uh, quite positive, both from the supply side. Uh, we are seeing you know a record low uh, order book uh, to the tune of two uh, percent. Uh, we believe that all the new regulations that are kicking in from 2023 onwards are going to increase, uh, to re are going to reduce. Uh, the speed of the vessels and effectively uh, reduce the overall supply. Uh, we believe that we're going to see uh, 
increased of hires uh, from vessels that eventually will need to do some retrofitting to be able to comply in 2023 and 2024. So supply side is a phenomenal uh, good. And on the demand side, uh, we expect that the recovery both of uh, the Chinese economy uh, with the gradual reopening after uh, the lockdowns uh, will, uh, you know, will be, you know, assisting. Plus, on top of this, uh, what, uh, you know, we have 95, 97% of our uh, fleet, which is uh, scrubber fitted, uh, which right now with the spread between uh, HSFO and uh, VLSFO at $300 produces an annual uh, benefit for our fleet to the tune of $210 million. Uh, but even with, uh, you know, 200, which is, you know, the forward care for 2023, it's a figure of around uh, $140 million. So, uh, you know, uh, this is a downside protection, as we see it, and a reason for us to remain spot. Thank you. Um, uh, Simos and Esteban, as you both mentioned, China, of course, um, um, as, as uh, cape-size uh, owners and operators, what is really going on in China? I mean, uh, the property market uh, still looks uh, quite uh, horrible. Uh, the production continues to slide. Uh, iron ore imports uh, clearly down uh, year over year. So, so what can we really expect going into 2023 with regards to China? Uh, clearly they have this uh, uh, Communist Party uh, Congress this week. Uh, have, have we gotten any positive news flow out of, out of that? Well, thank you. Thanks. So, um, yes, obviously, there are some positive and negative news uh, from the conference. Uh, the negative news are that uh, they will remain their COVID zero policy, which unfortunately means that they will keep people in lockdowns uh, with just uh, a few uh, cases here and there. So that's quite unfortunate. At the same time, though, and what's very positive about the speeds the two hour, two and a half hour speech is the fact that they will have much strong energy independence as regards to crude oil, which is not of our concern of this panel, but mostly coal. So we expect coal imports, infrastructure, and all these other elements that are uh, very associated with the Cape Size sector uh, to be uh, very strong in the next uh, few months because China needs to come out of this, again, like I said before, self inflicted. Uh, lockdowns and uh, crisis, and they will need to lead growth back to what it's expected from their uh, political party. So we believe that infrastructure work is going to resume. Uh, we see that. We see the uh, iron ore inventories at the ports to deplete, so they need to do some restocking. And we expect infrastructure to be quite strong in China. So yes, uh, we've had a lot of uh, negative news in regards of iron ore imports and steel production, but we expect that to be reversed uh, soon. Just if you allow me to add, uh, you know, a couple of figures here, I fully agree with Samatis. Uh, China accounts for approximately 50 to 55 percent of the global steel uh, production. Uh, last year, year on year, their steel production was down 10 percent. This accounts for approximately 4% reduction 
in the global dry bulk trade in terms of uh, steel. If you take into account the fact that two-thirds, approximately, of the global iron ore trade is going to China, and 90% of this is transported with uh, CAPES, Newcastle Maxis, and VLOCs, the level of the uh, charter rates that we currently see in the CAPES and uh, Newcastle Maxis is quite healthy. If someone would have told me, you know, two or three years ago, that we would see a 10% reduction in the Chinese uh, steel production and the CAPES are going to be where we are seeing today, I wouldn't believe him. A very good point. Um, so uh, China uh, might be coming out of their crisis, but I mean, uh, clearly uh, the rest of the world also seems to uh, go into a recession. Uh, China may be coming out, uh, the rest of the world going in. Uh, and Gary. Uh, so how will that impact the market? I mean, yeah, China in one hand, on the one hand, and then the rest of the world on the other hand, uh, moving in the wrong direction. Should I start? Go ahead. Well, starting about China, I think we, again, if we zoom out, uh, the big boom in the early 2000s was started by, by China's phenomenal growth. Uh, and at the time, what, were they the world's 15th, 16th, 17th biggest economy? And they had a phenomenal growth per year. They are now the world's second uh, biggest economy, and it's a question of time before they overtake and become number one. So uh, I think uh, the, the fact that their growth is slowing down is inevitable uh, as they rise up to the, to the tiers of, of the bigger economies. And even this year or next year, if they have growth of 3 to 5%, it would be a growth I think a lot of Western economies would be enviable about. Um, I think uh, dry bulk, in a way, is, is split in two. Um, and, and this side of the panel, with Gary and myself, we represent what I call the GDP carrier uh, of the dry bulk market. Uh, the dry bulk market is driven by the demand for food, energy, and infrastructure. And the Super Ultramax class is the world's biggest uh, ship with cranes, and, and that's, that's our part of the market. Cape Slices is basically a play on iron ore and Chinese steel production, um, a bigger weight of, of Chinese uh, demand and, and, and steel production than, than in our markets. And, and that's one of the reasons why uh, we have more downside protection. And if you see the last year, the last three years, the last 10 years, a Supermax and Ultramax has fared better than, than any other size uh, in the dry bulk market. So to your question with when is China coming back, what about the rest of the world? Um, one thing is for sure is that if you, if you look at the average earnings against the cost of the vessel, last 10 years, again last three years, and right now, uh, Ultramax is the safest place to be, the widest diverse uh, cargo um, base and, and uh, much less prone to, uh, to demand shocks. Yeah, I'll just add, uh, um, won't surprise you, I, I agree with those comments. Um, it's also the diversification of the cargoes we carry and, and, and also the, the geographies in which they're carried to. So we spend a lot less time in ballast, uh, more triangulation. And, and again, when, when a certain trade goes away, it's, it's not so dominant that we don't pick up another one. In fact, the largest uh, trade that we do is only 14% of our total. So, and we get two-thirds of our demand from minor bolts. And minor bulk demand was greater than major bulk, which is coal, iron, ore, and grain, you know, over the last few years. Last year, this year, it's positive. 
dry bulk, major bulk is negative this year on a non-ton mile basis, and it's expected to, to you know, be to, to lead dry bulk demand next year. So it's not just a, a, a one-off, um, as Lars Christian said. If you go back, in fact, if you in our um, investor material, we, we put a finer point on it. If you bought a Ultramax, five-year-old Ultramax in January of 21, or you bought a five-year-old Cape in January, the return is 46% on the on the Ultramax, assuming you just put it out at index versus 25. So it's pretty meaningful, you know, delta. Um, you know, I want all dry bulk to do well, but the the these the safer place because of that diversification is in the midsize. No question, you know, GDP dry bulk's inextricably linked, especially, you know, the uh, the minor bulks, and and so I think you know a, a more you know, cautious approach over the next six plus months is, is warranted. Having said that, you know, the supply side, this year, the, the midsize segment, what we call Handymax, which started as, you know, 40,000 dead weight and then went to Super and Ultra, but that midsize segment, just to, you know, put some context, there's just under 4,000 midsize, what we call Handymax vessels in the world. Through September 30th this year, there were two ships that were scrapped. Hmm. And in fact, over the last five years, there's been incredibly limited amount of scrapping, notwithstanding scrap at record prices. And that's a really positive thing as you go in with limited supply coming, because if we find ourselves in a period of, of, of muted demand and rates come down, clearly these older ships that have been hanging on, and why wouldn't you if you, you know, if the market is, is 18, even if that ship only earns 14, you know, without financing, you know, you're making close to $10,000 a day. And so, but if we find ourselves in a more muted, you know, rate environment, there's a lot of scrap candidates that should have been scrapped over the last few years. And, and you know, that, that's going to happen in the next number of years. Um, you know, ships need to dry dock every five years, up to 15 years old, but then every two and a half years, which means 40% of the fleet that's over 15 years old needs to dry dock every year. That's a pretty m big decision, which is really driven by spot rates. You know, no owner wants to be the guy that missed the next upturn in the market, right? And I always say, you, you can't unscrap a ship. So a lot of guys will go past, you know, India Bank. Recycle it. Yeah, well, you can't unrecycle a ship, let me put it that way, right? So, so a lot of people will hang on because they don't want, but eventually as these ships, you know, in a, in a more, in a, more uh, a weaker um, rate environment, we're gonna see scrapping increase, which is gonna come at the same time as, as supply, you know, limited supply comes into the market over the next few years. Thank you. Um, uh, and Simos, uh, since you're the only uh, owner uh, owning vessels all the way from Supras up to Nukes, an only short answer here. Uh, which size segment do you or Starbolt hold the highest hope for going into 2023? One word answer. <laughs> <laughs> No pressure. <laughs> Challenging. Uh, no, I believe on, uh, on capes on, uh, on the bigger asset sizes. Uh, I, I believe on the recovery story of, uh, of uh, capes, no custom access. And clearly, they tend to correlate. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, it's been mentioned uh, several times already on this panel. Um, environmental regulations. So uh, EXI is coming up, uh, CII is coming up, um, and uh, you said, okay, we, we might see uh, vessels uh, steaming slower, uh, more time uh, to uh, fix uh, um, uh, things to, to get into uh, compliance and so on. 
Um, I think last time uh, this industry was facing similar uh, regulations, um, Starbuck was kind of a pioneer on scrubbers and, and clearly Eagle also. But but what what are you making of this EXI and CII uh, regulations? Will they be as impactful as as everyone's saying these days? Well. I, believe, I won't get into detail on EXI and CII. We've heard, I believe, in each single panel today uh, about uh, you know uh, the two uh, uh, indices and uh, you know how many vessels comply, how many they do not. You know if CII is you know as an algorithm uh, okay or needs amendments. Uh, you've heard from all the previous panels. What I would say is that. Uh, as uh, Starbuck, we're focusing, you know, uh, the new environmental regulations are on top of our agenda. Uh, right now, we're focusing a lot uh, on uh, uh, major investments, uh, ranging from uh, carbon capturing to uh, energy-saving devices to uh, uh, hull cleaning uh, robots to uh, uh, advanced uh, defouling uh, paintings. So we are involved in a, in a number of initiatives, both on an R&D level and uh, uh, right now on uh, you know some of these uh, initiatives on uh, uh, testing uh, these uh, technologies on board of our vessels. And uh, which we believe that uh, going forward are going to uh, reduce our carbon emissions and uh, will improve the profile of the fleet. Uh, the, the, the two points that I wanted to, to, to raise here and you know for people to understand is that we believe uh, we, we, we estimate that approximately 60% of the fleet today are non-eco vessels. About 40% of these non-eco vessels are built between 2009 and 2013 mm. in second and third year uh, Chinese shipyards that today probably does not, uh, do not exist anymore. And these vessels are fuel thirsty and are going to be almost impossible to comply uh, with the new regulations. So it's going to be inevitable that, you know, and adding, you know, to what uh, uh, Gary was telling uh, previously, that we're going to see a number, an increased number of these vessels in 2024, because 2023 primarily is the year that we start measuring, you know, as owners, uh, our uh, carbon footprint. From 2024 onwards, these vessels are not going to be able to comply. So either they will need to do huge investments and reduce speed significantly, and I do not know what else they need to do, or we're going to see increased scrapping activity, which will add to the, you know, uh, the great supply uh, curve that we have right now. And uh, we, you know, this is what keeps us, you know, optimistic for, uh, you know, the longer term uh, in our market. Thank you. Um, um, and this is a question for uh, all of you. So, in light of all of these new uh, regulations, 
for how long would you be comfortable holding uh, a 10 year old vessel? <coughs> so we're starting with the uh, Kirsten and then uh, moving uh, to see what's at the end. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> well, first of all, uh, maybe a point of disagreement. I think actually nothing will happen next year, unfortunately, with these uh, 2023 rules. Uh, you, you correctly mentioned that next year is the first year of starting to measure it. But anyone thinking that the supply side is going to fall magically by 10 or 20% on speed on 1st of January, it, it ain't going to happen. Uh, it didn't happen in IMO 2020 either. The only thing which happened was that prices changed for fuels, but there was no problem with supply. Um, and EEXI next year is, is uh, as mentioned, it's, it's going to be a 12-month process. And then again, people tend to exaggerate short-term uh, changes. Um, longer term, we positioned ourselves uh, towards 2030. Um, and the question, how long can you own uh, today's asset, is a good one and a relevant one. So instead of waiting for the right propulsion system, paying too much to convert for a possible option on a different fuel. Um, instead of approaching it practically, uh, we've done two things. Uh, first of all, just <coughs> buying the most modern fleet possible today and then financing it in a way where we can actually re-deliver and walk away from 75% from, uh, of our debt uh, and, and our ships in 2030. So we've basically, uh, maybe sounds strange, but we've tried to approach ESG and 2030 by uh, doing it financially. So I think we're one of the only, I think we are the only stock-listed company who, who can actually just re-deliver uh, most of the fleet uh, by 2030 and then do 180 and, and, and do something else. Yeah, so, I mean, this is exactly where we focused our, our fleet renewal, um, right around the 2015, uh, in fact, just three weeks ago, we bought another 2015 vessel and we're up to 30, um, kind of between, almost exclusively 27 of them between kind of 2013 and 2018. And the focus is really because of what I call that tail risk, right? If you order a ship today delivering in 25, that ship's only gonna be 10 years old in 2035. It's gonna be 40% through its economic life. And based on historics, that ship's gonna to have to sail all the way up to 2050 when we're likely gonna be, shipping will be at zero emission in order to, uh, to reach the uh, Paris uh, climate target. And we just don't wanna own a ship that, because ship values are based on future cash flow, right? And so, so that's why we think that having ships that'll be 20 years old in 2035 is the place because in 2030, as much as you know, we we believe we'll be in a position to start order or to be ordering vessels and, and getting zero emission ships on the water, it's going to take a long time to ramp up. So I'm not worried about owning a conventional ship in 2030. I would be concerned about owning a five-year-old conventional ship in 2030, not because it can't trade, but because the value when you try yeah. and sell it will be. Severe, I believe, severely impacted. So, you know, it's really about strategizing and, and you know, um, as, as the points were made, I fully agree, right? It's about, right now especially, it's about, you know, improving efficiency as much as possible. It's good for the environment and good for the bottom line. And, and as, we, as we transition to zero emission fuels, storage and competing for those fuels with other, other industries is going to be you know, it's gonna be severe competition. So whatever we can do to reduce the consumption of our vessels, no matter what the fuel is, is really important, not just for now in the environment, but for those zero emission fuels of the future too. Well, 
We, um, we took a big bet the last couple of years where we effectively doubled our fleet. We spent more than $250 million uh, by buying all these uh, capes that we bought, and we went up to the 3 million tons that we currently own. Um, we strongly believe that the current ships uh, will continue to trade uh, with minor interruptions in the next uh, few years. We have started to invest uh, on energy-saving devices since 2018, and we have improved the carbon footprint of our vessels sometimes up to 15%, which is massive. And that's something we've done in cooperation with our charters. Uh, but uh, even when we did it on our own, we can still re-rate our ships and make them much, much better. Um, like Simos and Gary said, we have one of the lowest order books in history of shipping. And um, knowing that there's no new supply coming in to the market, we have to live with the current ships for the foreseeable future. Nobody knows what the propulsion of tomorrow is going to be. So what we do in the meantime is that we um, install energy saving devices very extensively. We try to make our ships more economical. We burn a lot of biofuel. And we do whatever we need to um, make in order to make the ships uh, more economical and tradable for the future. Now, the careful selection of a second-hand value of a second-hand ship is crucial because, uh, like Simo said before, a lot of the second-hand ships being offered up for sale at a large discount, there is a very good explanation for that discount because the ships will not be making it for 2024 or 2025. So we chose ships when we doubled our fleet that we strongly believe will last for the, the, at least the next six, seven, eight years up until 2030. And by that time, we will know what the solution is going to bring for the shipping industry. <laughs> we cannot live without tonnage out there. People need to still move stuff, raw materials, um, minor bulks, major bulks, whatever you want to call it, because the, sh the world is dependent on shipping. And uh, with zero order book, um, to Simo's point before, about 50% of the fleet will be 15 years or older in 2025. And that's basically two years from now. So, 15 years of age is the cutoff point for a number of charters, especially in Australia. And I want to see how they're going to be able to fulfill their transportation needs, which is more than a billion tons a year, uh, without having modern ships out there with the supply being zero. So thank you. Yeah, no, no, I agree with all comments that uh, uh, we've heard from all uh, three uh, co-panelists. You know, the, the main issue here and uh, what we are fully agree, all of us, is that, you know, there is no uh, new technology yet available for the vessels. We're not ordering vessels. So, uh, you know, we are focusing a lot on improving the existing fleet and investing on uh, you know, the reduction of the carbon fruit footprint of uh, the existing uh, fleet. Very good, thank you. So um, I was planning to address uh, capital allocation as well, uh, but I think we will do that one uh, very uh, quickly. Uh, um, I have one question uh, for the entire panel, and I want a short answer from each of you. So if you had, and we're starting with CMOS this time, and then we'll in uh, this direction, um, if you have uh, $10 million today, how would you spend it? Ten? Uh, and then, I guess that... Uh, $10 million. The, the, the answer is clear. You gotta call a bank. Uh, you know. <laughs> but no, no, I would buy you know, our stock, which is trading you know, at a significant discount to NAV. Uh, by far. Very good. Stamontes? 
Well, the same, uh, buy back of the stock as well as investing uh, more in energy saving devices uh, on board the ships. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we bought a 2015 built, built Ultramax at a considerable discount to recently done, so we, we think there's good value on a medium to long term. I'd hand it back to you guys and then trust that you come back and buy Belco shares tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> at below yeah. anyway. And one final, final question. So, as I alluded to to begin with, since the peak uh, uh, this spring, asset values for five-year-old vessels are down by around 15%. So the question is, and also once again, a very short answer, starting with Lars Christian, the former S&P broker. Uh, in 12 months' time, will values be higher or lower or flat? Uh, slightly down from today. 12 months higher. Same here, higher, I believe that. I'm in the middle. <laughs> uh, no, I expect that we're going to see a two-tier market. Uh, based on what we've been discussing before, we are not going to see, we are going to see a spread widening between vessels that are, you know, those uh, vessels that, you know, are non-eco, very difficult to comply with new regulations, and the more modern eco vessels which are going to be easier to, to comply. So uh, the short answer is that the modern eco uh, fuel efficient vessels are going to be higher from where we are today. Uh, I'm not sure about the, you know, the, the non-eco, the thirsty, uh, fuel thirsty vessels uh, probably are going to be at a lower valuation from where they are today. Okay, so, so if I um, try to sort of uh, assemble the consensus here, uh, it's uh, a surprise, of course, that uh, a panel of dry bulk executives are optimistic on values. <laughs> uh, they're optimistic on values, rates, and that, that's all clearly on a consensus level. But uh, the, the consensus is clearly that this market uh, is, uh, or the outlook is very Okay, with that, I'd like to thank uh, all the panelists and all the uh,